Hey guys, welcome to the show. Uh, if you've been following along for the last few weeks, um, you heard me talk about wanting to change the name of the show. I've been toying with it now for several years, um, thinking about changing it to Days in the Wild uh, to match my guiding service and be the same as my old TV show, uh, mainly for marketing purposes, keeping it simple. Also, uh, I think it, it, uh, it scares away a few people with the name sounds a little pretentious. Uh, I did a poll and actually most of you guys told me to keep it the same. Uh, I think over 65 or closer to 70% of the people told me to keep it the same. Um, but not that I'm not listening to you. I'm just, it's, it's, I've gone back and forth. There was enough people, you know, 35 or 40% somewhere around there that, um, that said to go ahead and change it and thought it was a good idea. So, um, I, I, th- I think coming up here in uh, first part of April, we are the name change will change over so from now till then. But the the contents of the show, the you know the structure, the format of it, ha- what have you, will all stay the same. Um, I'm not going to make it too commercialized like a lot of these other podcasts that you're listening to. Um, trying to keep the uh, you know the <laughs> advertisements to a minimum and um and just have one or two sponsors for the for the whole podcast and not um, bombard you with a bunch of uh crap so we're gonna like i said roll out probably first week of april uh as the new name change so uh if you see that change happen um don't get scared it's still here we're still here for you so uh, without further ado, we're going to roll into this next episode, and we appreciate all your uh, your patronage over the last, uh, well, 10 years, 11 years now, 11 seasons we've been doing this. So I uh, really appreciate you, and um, we'll keep them coming. Thanks a lot. Hi, welcome to the interviews with the Hunting Masters brought to you by Phoenix Shooting Bags. Uh, today, we are going to talk to you, Craig Van Arsdale. And he's going to share some stories with us, his uh, Arizona strip tag and a uh, nice coos buck that he got here. So might might hear some other adventures. What's going on, man? Oh, not much. Uh, how you doing? Oh, good. I can't complain. Just uh, working today. Unfortunately, I wanted to get out and uh, do a little hunting, but uh, my, my pool business had me running around looking at job sites this morning, so... Unfortunately. Yep. Sometimes you got to be an adult. Yeah, it sucks. What? Well, <laughs> didn't you like take like some hiatus or something? Yeah. From- yeah. I'm still. I'm on the back end of it right now. I've. I kind of took a little. Uh, it's been about 20 months or so. I've had off work, so it's been a good ride. Oh yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about that a little bit, just to touch on it. What? Uh, what spiked that, or you know made you think of doing something like that and and, and how'd you pull it off really <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's something that um me and my brother you know we read uh tim ferris's book the four-hour work week is really what kind of implanted that idea in our minds but um you know if anybody goes out and reads that book the basis of it is you know the system is just kind of backwards right we all work our entire lives and then you're you know 65 years old and you get to retire and you know, hopefully you have, you know, money and a nest egg and, and then you can enjoy yourself, right? And all the time. 
Right. But the problem is, is you're 65 and you don't have the body that you did when you're, you know, in your 20s and 30s. So I don't know. It just kind of like made me think about like what in the world could I possibly do to, uh, you know, be able to take a year or two off when I'm young. And it's somewhat of a risk and everything, but I just figured it's something I just really wanted to do. So, so I just started saving money and, you know, try to make some investments and decisions that, would put me in a place to do that. And, uh, 2018 is kind of when that all lined up. So, so in June, I quit my job that I'd been at for almost 12 years and actually was in California for a long time. Um, grew up in Washington state and, uh, said, man, I got to get out of here and move to a state that's, uh, you know, friendly to all the things that I want to do. And so Arizona was kind of high on that list and, and that's what brought me here. Nice, man. That's awesome. That's totally awesome. So, but yeah, so I'll, I'll be looking at going back to work, though, in March. So it's coming to an end. <laughs> are you married or no? No, I'm not married. Oh, see, okay. That's a... I, was, I was trying to figure out how I can convince my wife to let me do that. <laughs> you didn't have to do any convincing. I, you know, I, I, I envy you because I, I wish I would have been in. I would have done that. I, I thought about that. My dad said that to me so many times. He's like, listen, you're not going to take it with you, you know, and y- yeah, you got to do your living now. Yeah. Because once you get older, and I, I mean, I look at him, he's, you know, in his 70s and he's goes out and photographs every day and he does his thing, but I'm sure he would have liked to do more adventures when he was young, you know, and, and, and had, like you said, had the body to do those things, especially yeah. with our, with our adventures, you know, we're talking about hunting and it's a little, bit oh, yeah. a little more physical of a, of a deal there, you know, but so. it's so, it's such a hard decision to make too. Like this just, it's never right. You know, like, you know, even my situation, I was single, you know, I don't need kids. I don't really have anything tying me down, you know, but it's still, you know, you kind of like, at least in my position, I kind of felt like I was getting into the spot with the golden handcuffs, you know, I had a super good job with lots of vacation built up, retirement, all these things, you know, and like every year you stay there, they're just throwing you another little bone. They're dangling the carrot in front of your face a little bit more. And they know how that works. You know, they're, they're super good at it. That's how they keep people for 30 years. Right. Um, so yeah, it's just like at some point, if that's what you want to do, like it's a super tough decision, and you just have to jump, you know. Yeah, gotta be pretty scary. I gotta, I would imagine. Yep. I know. I mean, I, I've taken a lot of risks, especially when I was younger and single. I took a lot of financial risk and did crazy things, and you know, because I always thought, yeah, I'll, you know, I'm young, I can make the money back up, and I did. You know, I. I had times where it wasn't even a risk where where the market fell out of the sky and, uh, you know, I lost my ass on a bunch of shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I remember back, uh, you know, when I was in my early 20s, my, my accountant said, if you keep going the way you're going, you can retire at 50, you know. And then, yeah. then I lost everything <laughs> and I got married and um, – you know, a lot of stuff happened and, you know, I had to rebuild myself. I, I, I was uh, very much the Phoenix, you know, I, yep. I recreated myself a couple times in, in, in financially, you know, and, 
So uh, having, having experienced that, knowing that I've come back from that, I wish I would have done something like you did, you know, where it was like chosen, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> take time and, you know, uh, take a financial setback basically, you know? Yep. Uh, but yeah, it's all right. I, I got a good life. I can't complain. I, I have a lot of time on my hands uh, with my businesses, the way I have them set up. So yeah, just from what I've seen from the outside, it looks like you've managed well, more than better than most. Thanks. Thank you. Um, it's all, it's all a facade. No, uh, <laughs> it's all the gram. Yeah, exactly. No, uh, no, I do. Uh, I, I do. Like I said, I do uh, have a lot of time. The last two years, not as much. And, it, and if it's shown in my hunting. I know that. Um, I, I haven't had the uh, success that I had in years past because I haven't been able to spend as much time afield. Um, I'm not one of these guys where, you know, I see a buck and I know that buck's going to die because I'm going to figure him out in this short period of time and I'm going to get him killed. You know, I'm one of those guys. I'm a numbers guy. I get 10 stalks on him. Yes, I'm going to kill him. But, <laughs> you know, I need, you I know, need. that's, that's kind of how I look at it too. I don't, I don't, I, I have people saying, you know, just from, I've done so much hunting in the last couple of years, like, oh man, you're such a killer and everything. I'm like, I just have time. That's, that's my advantage for the last couple of years. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty good hunter, you know, but yeah, I don't, I don't. People don't realize how important that is. Like, I mean, oh yeah. You go and, you know, if you only got three days, you know, it's going to be tough for you to, to do what you want to do, you know. But, Especially when you start carrying a bow in your hand. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. So uh, I guess let's start with your uh, your strip your strip hunt. I'd like to hear about that. How did that – because you weren't even – so basically, were you a non-resident when you applied? No. So I, it was crazy. I mean, I was literally, so I moved here and then I, you know, literally became eligible for a residency like just months before the deer draw. Okay. And so I was technically a resident and I was fully wanting to hunt coos deer. Like I was like, Hey, I, you know, never shot a coos in my bow. And I had hunted that January actually and, and missed a buck which actually even, you know, obviously made me eligible for the draw because I hadn't punched my OTC tag. Right. And then, uh, yeah, so I just figured, hey, man, such a great moisture year. You got to have your name in the hat, 13B, 13A on the application, walk away, forget about it, you know. And then, shoot, just remember, you know, everybody posting on social media about their credit cards getting hit and everything and, you know, figured, wow, what the hell, you know, I'm, super into the draw process and, and like to apply for, for tags. So went in there and checked it out and I just like, couldn't believe it. I was like, man, there's a deer, there's a deer tag charge on there. Like, <laughs> and my first thought was, I was like, I had to have screwed that up. I had to have applied for a, a, a mistaken tag, you know, a, a wrong hunt code or something. Right. And, did you, uh, did you only have the second choice or? Yeah, just first and second. Okay. And, and I only had five points. So, you know, like I said, I, had no intentions of even really being in the pool for that. You know, obviously I wasn't in the bonus pool. Um, but yeah, no, I went and double checked all my home codes on online, everything. And I was like, I, I've got one of them. I've got 13 B or 13 A. And, and uh, it turns out when, uh, when the results actually came out, I had the a tag. Cool. So, um, 
you know, not really, I mean, obviously being new to the state and then not, you know, never been to the strip or anything, I, but I had heard a lot, you know, listened to a lot of podcasts and stuff and you hear a lot about how difficult the strip can be for the guy that, that doesn't know anything. You know, you're not just going to walk in there and start glassing up 200 inch deer, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And so I, uh, I actually started doing some research, you know, and I was like, I, I'm going to hire an outfitter, um, for sure. Um, and yeah, I just did all my research and ended up going with, uh, Jason Bond out of okay. flag. And he's just super cool guy. And I think, you know, his personality and I is, uh, you know, matched and he, uh, he's got some good success up there on the archery hunt. And, and I actually went up there. So I had, you know, some time to scout and he gave me some spots and I just wanted to be a part of it as much as I could, you know? And I, so I had that experience of going up to the strip and he gave me all these glassing knobs for like two days straight. And I've got a BTX and 15s and good glass, you know, and like i was just all day burning in the country up and I, I literally saw like a few does. I didn't even see a buck. And so like, that's just a good example of, you know, you, you can even go to the places that the, you know, the outfitter or guide would tell you and like, there just might not be any deer there, you know? Yeah. Strange place. Yeah. And, and for me, I'm like, I'm a type of guy that likes to see a lot of deer. So I, I, I tend to stay away from those low density type, hunts that would the, the caveat is those those are the type of hunts that produce the big you know you know monster deer right down here in the desert those areas that don't have a lot of deer those are usually where the big bucks are yeah um you know it's tough i i know i know for sure if i draw that tag i'm gonna get an outfitter i mean hell i'm a guide here in arizona and i'm gonna get an outfitter and see, i don't spend time up there you know i've been up there but i don't spend time up there yeah, just, just from my experience, it doesn't matter who you are, how good of a hunter you are and everything. If you don't spend time up there, have knowledge or someone that does, you, you're just, I, you're doing a huge disservice to that tag, in my opinion. And, and like, I mean, if you can't afford it, then I obviously I get it. It's just, but you got to figure people are paying three, four hundred thousand dollars for that governor tag for that opportunity. And so for you to drop five or six grand as an outfitter is like, man, I'd be bag borrowing stealing. I'd be selling my car if I had to. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but, it's, uh, out to how important it is to you to. Yeah. Yeah. There's that too. Um, but I would imagine if you're putting in for that day, you have to getting a big buck is, is important to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so um, then the hunt came around, and uh, my brother came up there with me. Um, we got up there a couple days early. Uh, Jason and the other uh, guy he had with him, uh, Stan Gaines, he had been up there for about a week prior already, you know, and they're running draw cameras and doing a lot of glassing and stuff like that. And there's just, you know, at that moisture year, there was a, a, an unreal number of phenomenal deer that you know, we're on the table as far as which deer we wanted to hunt. Um, and then, yeah, as you probably know, you know, it was getting, we had then no monsoons, you know, so it was super dry and people were getting pretty excited about, you know, the killing deer over water up there. Um, but really when it came down to the bucks we were looking at on camera, there, there was only a couple bucks that had really hit during day and, and they were really good bucks, but, uh, Jason had actually glassed up this just, giant framed typical clean 
four point that, you know, I'm, we're talking 37 inch type frame, um, 200 for sure, you know, and he showed me that buck and, and they had actually glassed it up. Like I think two or three days in a row at that point in the same area. Oh, nice. And, you know, there was other deer on camera that we had shown me and stuff and that we were looking at that were like numbers wise, they're all not typicals, you know, that were well north of, you know, what this deer ended up scoring. But there was just something about that typical that, that got me, got me fired up, you know, and so we decided to chase him. And then the fact that, you know, I would much rather spot and stalk a deer versus shoot one on water, you know, I'd do either or obviously, but, right. but being able to spot and stalk one was pretty on my list so so yeah we went after him and sure enough first morning they, they glassed him up i went and sat water you know while the guys glassed just in case he came in and uh you know not long after day broke they got got the call and came pick me up and we got to within 300 yards pretty quick but he was with seven other bucks oh wow which made it super hard, you know, and we were just really trying to play cat and mouse and stay behind him and wait for him to kind of make a mistake, hopefully, you know. And eventually, we just kind of followed him all through the country, and they, you know, they they fed for like three or four hundred yards, just you know, feeding around, and and they finally made themselves around to a, like a big bench, and they were all bedded on that that bench. There was one other buck actually with him too that was, you know, probably just touching that like 200 inch range. He had a really big like 32 inch frame with some cheaters and stuff. And the rest of the bucks were kind of just small. And I was actually able to get right in above them. And I actually had that that other buck, you know, like 28 yards or something like that. Really? But the, but the, and it was like super tough. Like I. I, I basically could have just moved like a few feet to my left and, and got a shot, you know, but, uh, I had that, the really big buck was just 50 yards below me bedded, you know, on the bottom side of a PJ and all he would have had to do is just get out and go left or right. And I would have had a 50 yard shot. So, you know, I sat there and just waited, but it was midday and the thermals killed us and ended up swirling. So blew all those deer out in the stampede. And luckily, though, since we had guys watching, you know, from down below, they were able to see where those deer went. And, you know, we were able to get back on them. And I, I got back into like 80 yards that evening on them and just kind of was playing cat and mouse with the whole group again and just never got a, you know, a good opportunity. Eventually, they ended up seeing me move and they blew out again. That was kind of it for that first day. And we were, I was kind of thinking, man, that we might have really screwed that up, you know, blowing a giant deer like that twice in one day, you know? Yeah. And then that really kind of reaffirmed my thoughts on that. Cause the next two days we did not see a single deer in that whole area. Oh, jeez. And I mean, we got like three or four people glassing and we're like up on big, not, I mean, we're burning that country down, you know, and not, not a single deer. So, but we, but we were checking the cameras and they, that buck had been hitting, he was still there. They were all hitting at night. And so, I mean, we knew they were in that country. They hadn't left. Um, so that was, you know, positive. Um, so we just kept at it. And then that first fourth morning, I you know was down there sitting water again and they, they picked him up. Like, I think it might've been like an hour after, after daylight or so. Um, Jason and I ended up going down there. They were bedded actually on the same rim rock type country, but just down the, the mountain a little bit farther. 
And uh, this time, the big benefit was he was only with one other buck. And so we felt like, man, we really got to make this one, you know, make it happen on this one. We might not get another chance. And so we got up and just probably like 100 yards, you know, on the other side of the rim. And the wind just really wasn't that great that day. So I'd kind of get up to the rim just within like 30, 40 yards and just kind of sit there for, you know, five or 10 minutes and see, you know, how consistent it was. And it seemed like every time I did that in a 10 minute, you know, time frame or so, it would, it would kind of just hit my back for just a second. And so I just, we just sat on that deer all day and like, you know, I just figured he was in the right spot and they're probably going to get up and feed in my direction when they get up at, you know, in the evening. And so even if they don't put themselves in a good spot, then I'll catch them surprisingly, you know, once they get up and they, you know, they don't know we're there. So, so that ended up, you know, it ended up playing out perfectly. We sat on him for, it ended up being 11 hours all day and the buck got up and I got up to the rim there. We were able to, um, you know, have an eye on him from down low. And he just like, I was ready. And all of a sudden I looked over and he was up on the rim with me. Like he had just, you know, he was on a mission. He was going to, you know, feed back toward water or something. And so I just was right there and, you know, cranked him at like 18 yards. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So it's pretty incredible for it all to come together. You know, when you're on that, at least me, myself, you know, as my thoughts were, I just was trying to stay like grounded the whole time. You just, you know, you, you just want to stay in the game and stay focused because like too hard to even think about like the potential of shooting a 200 inch deer. Like it was too hard for me to think about, you know, just like keep it grinding. And when it happens, it happens or it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, but when it did, it was just pretty incredible. Pretty stellar looking buck, man. I tell you what. Yeah, one, I'd probably you'd probably never even see another deer like that. I, I was talking, you know, we were in camp there, and you know, Jason's guided the strip for like 26 years. Um, Stan was he's something in the 40 year range. Wow. He's been up there guiding. Neither of them have ever seen a buck that frame, you know, clean four with Wait. that type of wide frame, 37 inch frame. That's crazy. What did he end up scoring? Uh, we gross screened him, you know, several times there in camp and he pretty, pretty consistently came out to two eight and six eights when we were there. Um, I haven't scored him yet. I've got the antlers freeze dried and he's getting mounted, but you know, I'm sure he shrunk a, a good bit after that, but we yeah, all, I'll score him for, for SCI probably and see, see what he comes out as. Well, congrats on him. Hell of a, hell of a buck. Thank you, man. Yeah. I'm a- I, every time I start building points and I putting in for that hunt, I get antsy and I want to kill like a good coos deer with my rifle or something. <laughs> <laughs> and I start putting in for uh, December rifle hunts and I forget about going. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I think part of the reason why is every year, with the exception of this year. I don't know why, but every year I get on bucks that are in that 180 to 200 inch range in the desert. Yep. You know, uh, during the OTC tag, you know, and it's like I, I always go back to it. I'm like, oh, you know, 
why why am I why am I shooting for the stars and I can already kind of you know do it? That's something that's easy you know easy for me to do go hunt. But I really need to. I really need to do something, and I just like you, I'm not going to squander it. I'm going to get myself an outfitter. Uh, I have several friends that know it very well and got it very you know been guiding it for years. But I'm gonna I'm gonna do my research and when the time comes if I do ever draw it and uh, I want to I want to come home with the uh, with a stellar experience like yours you know yeah. <laughs> so oh, anyway so um, your coos buck man he's a nice deer yeah uh, you know nothing nothing too special or anything but I was super happy with him and you know for me it was that particular situation kind of how it unfolded like there was no way I was going to pass him up but that was like several years in the making too, right? You, you oh, had, yeah. You had been out several times for, for coos. And, and yeah, so I mean, before I even lived here, you know, I made two trips. This is, goes all the way back to like 2013, 2014, I believe, were the first two trips I made, each of them about five days from, you know, when I was living out of state. And my buddy actually shot a nice, you know, mid-80s type buck with his bow on the first time we came. Oh, nice. And, uh... So, you know, I had this particular area and I just was like, man, I, you know, I'm getting to know that area pretty well. And, and I just, you know, I hadn't had what I needed in there, but, you know, you get familiar with the spot and it's just like, it takes a while to really learn something like that, you know? So I just kept sticking with it. But, um, and then I actually drew when I was as a non-resident, I drew a, you know, late rifle December tag with my points beginning when I first started applying. So then I came out here in 2015 and got a nice buck, like a mid nineties buck. And uh, sorry, that was a rifle, t- rifle hunt. Yeah, yeah, a December rifle hunt. Nice. So, you know, now I had a nice one with a rifle, but I just still really, really wanted to get one with a bow. And uh, so, you know, when I finally moved here and stuff, I that was actually, you know, that was that January, you know, before I drew the the strip tag. You know, I I hunted another good like ten days that season and. And actually, I missed a buck. I had a, you know, I thought the lane was clear. It was like 62 yards or something like that and just smoked a, a branch, you know. That just but, uh, two weeks ago. <laughs> that's yeah. so painful. Freaking Ocotillo. Yeah. Yeah, in a low light, you know, it just looks clear and not clear. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so I, so that was like, you know, 10 days there, I spent 10 days in January last year and then I was like, man, I'm, I'm going to make it happen this year, you know, and so I had like another like, you know, 10 days or so that I was going to dedicate toward it this January and spent a couple of days here up north where I live up in, in Prescott Valley, um, hunting around here, but you know, the coos deer populations are a little bit lower and harder to, harder to get your kind of like we were talking before you got to get lots of stock opportunities you know right if you're gonna get one with a bow especially a coos deer but uh so i I headed down south to where i've hunted in the past and actually it was like man it was raining the whole way in i I hiked in the dark it's a couple mile hike to get into the spot and you know set up camp and it's pretty wet and woke up early in the morning and kind of got out there and it just stopped raining like a couple hours before um daylight you know and everything, like, you know, I kind of thought originally, it was like, oh, everything might be kind of moving from being, you know, hammered by rain all night. But it was pretty dead that first, like, hour and a half or so. 
and actually it had uh i had some success a week or so ago i was down in the same area and i was like man i'm i'm gonna bring my rattle bag you know like you can rattle a whitetail you know eastern whitetail like no problem you know the timing's right right this area is pretty thick and stuff so i was like so i brought that bag out there like a week ago and i rattled in four bucks one morning to 15 between 15 and 21 yards like they were all just right in my lap nice it was super cool i was so i was like jacked about it. i was like man i'm almost like on a mission now to like rattle deer in yep and so i see this buck and he's he's like 150 yards or so and he's going the other way and i you know kind of set up real quick and hit the rattle bag and boom he's like just starts running my direction there's a little like you know valley that he drops into and so I cut the distance another like 40 yards to try and get into a better position. And then he just never, never came, you know, never materialized. And I sat there for like 20, 30 minutes, hit the bag again. And then I seen him, you know, just walking away on that same ridge. And he must've lost interest, you know? Right. And I just kept continued hunting around and I was like going to move my way back to this, you know, big area. It's got some big boulders in it that I could just glass for the rest of that afternoon, you know? And on my way there, I I look over and there's this this buck and he's he's doing that like head down cruise, you know, like you can tell he's almost got that little bit of a limp, like he's he's been getting after it, you know. Right. And I was like, man, that's that's a buck that I would you know would be a good buck to rattle at. And so I had this rock and already you know in mind that I was going for, and I was just like, man, I I ran up there, you know, as soon as he dropped out of view, I just ran up, got on top of the rock, knocked an arrow pulled my rattle bag out and just got on it for like, you know, 15 seconds or so. And I mean, just like by the time you put the rattle bag down, like he's just coming in hot, like running. And, uh, and you know, I hadn't even, I hadn't even got enough time really. I think I ranged like two spots down there below me. And so I had like a, you know, like a 40 yard mark and a, you know, a 30 yard, I think. And he was just right in that like 40 yard range. And I, I kind of, you know, stopped him real quick and cause he was just going to keep, he was searching all over for it and he came right into 40 and I cranked him at 40. Perfect shot. Oh yeah. Awesome. It was pretty cool. I had some success rattling them in, um, like in 22, 23 and I, I've never tried it down in the desert. Um, I don't know why I've never, but uh, like the JPs and stuff like that, I, I have done quite a bit, quite a bit of it early on in my career, and uh, had some success, had some success with with mule deer that way too. Um, but uh, yeah, I never tried the, I've never tried on a coos deer in, you know, in the lower part of the state. Um, I gotta I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to add that back into the repertoire for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because I, you know, like I said, I kind of got the idea from you know just general whitetail hunting and. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, you get you hear people rattling mule deer, you know, whitetails, um, blacktail are super success, you know, susceptible to rattling. Um, I don't really hear many people do it on sick of blacktails. I think the, you know, fawn in distress is kind of the common thing there. But, you know, like, why wouldn't it work on a coos deer? And yeah, I don't know. It's, I, I rattled in like six bucks over the last week. So <laughs> definitely works. Oh, yeah. That's awesome, bro. Yeah, and so basically when you're doing that, you're looking for those ones that are in search mode, not necessarily chasing a deer, another doe. 
I mean, I, that just kind of like triggered it for me. I just felt like that was even a, like even a better situation. Like I said, I don't have a ton of experience with it, but but what I have noticed so far is that the, I haven't had any luck with it rattling in the afternoons or in the evenings. It's always been in the morning, and preferably I've spot and called. I've you know been within a couple hundred yards of a buck and rattled at him, right. rather basically, than blind calling. You know. Yeah, basically the same. You know, hunting back east or the Midwest, you see a buck out in the field or whatever and you know yep. you could you could see what they're doing i mean i i've called them in blindly also too just you know doing right yeah. in a tree stand or whatever um but uh it's always better when you can see what they're doing and how they're reacting to the call for sure right yeah 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 and i think with coos deer i mean anything with a bow you know is like you can usually get to that 100 120 yards super easy you know it's just that last like 50 yards and especially in some of that thick country, you know, it's super hard. So, right. Right. I'm pretty excited to try it out again, you know, next year and see what I can do. You know, what's going to happen is the, uh, five or 6,000 people that are going to listen to this are going to go out and do that. <laughs> yeah. We just, and then it's not going to work anymore. <laughs> ruined it. <laughs> I should probably edit this out. But, <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it, you know what, and and this is the disclaimer, uh, so I, I'm big on calling deer, elk, you know, obviously coyotes and shit like that, but I like calling animals, and very, and I keep stressing this enough, like, so I call them mule deer all the time, um, I've had success calling them in, in whitetail, in, in, you know, in the Midwest and the East, and lots of success actually doing that, but as far as Arizona is concerned, I call them mule deer all the time. Most of my big bucks, I've called them in. Um, and it's learning to gauge the temperature of the situation. You know, you, you can't just throw calls at every deer you see, you right. know. And, I mean, unfortunately – the way to find that, you know, find that secret sauce out, unless somebody tells you what to do, is to make a bunch of mistakes. But um, if you're going to go out there and make those mistakes, pay attention to when it works and when it doesn't work, and start looking for the similarities of why that worked when you did it. Yeah. No. Exactly. I agree. I mean. I mean, that's the biggest thing about it. It's, it's, you, know, you just said the word. It's, it's situational, you know? I mean, like, I guarantee that that, I mean, rattling probably not going to work for the whole month of January either, you know? Like, I killed that buck on the 22nd. Like, they were still, you know, rutting. So. Yeah, it's 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 very situational. You, you got you to gotta pay attention to, I mean, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this back. To, I'm going to bring this back to, to Predator Colin. Because I did a lot of of uh, I don't want to say research, but I did a lot of note taking. You know, when I was coming up, learning how to do that, and I'm using it as an example. So I paid attention to moon, wind, weather, how far I was away from them. You know. What body language, anything like that, 
you start paying attention to those things, and the same thing with deer, you you'll start seeing the pattern. Yeah. You know, you'll start no, I, when it, with this kind of day, this kind of situation, the deer was doing this, he was, you know, and you'll see that more and more those 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 characteristics of the situation will line up and be very similar when it works. Yeah, I, I think the whole note taking thing is super important because it's like you're you just don't have, you know, we're human. We don't have the memory, you know, and so like. I try to take notes, especially when it comes to like calling or whatever, you know, like elk, you know, every year, you know, like where I'm at, um, what's the weather like, what's the moon phase, um, you know, the time of the year, what date is it when I start seeing certain things, you know, and same, same thing for deer. Like I, I made a little note thing like, yeah, I killed him on the 22nd, saw this, rattled these deer in, you know, a week ago. Because you start getting the data like that of five years from now, you're going to look back and you're going to see some super similar things and that's going to narrow it all in for you, you know. For sure. I used to be super vigilant about that. Now I kind of take it for granted that I have everything kind of in my head. Yeah, you got the experience now. but You know, I have all the rules of thumb, basically. But I'm sure that if I were to go back to the note-taking thing and – I would even be more successful, you know. I would have better better experiences instead of just relying on my memory. Yeah, it's even easier now. I used to carry around a little notepad, but I you know I'd like write about just the hunt in general too. But now I, everything's just in my phone, you know, just in the notes. You don't got to carry anything else with you. Well, you can take a snapshot of the weather. You can look at the barometer. You can, you know. Yep. But the moon was doing that day. Hell, your trail cameras do that shit for you too, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I even have like, so you can, have, I don't know if you've heard of it before, of like Evernote is an app on your phone or computer that you can create certain files and then, you know, put screenshots and notes and all kinds of things into them. So, like, you can have something like that that have it super organized and then you can see it offline when you don't have service. And it's a good tool. Oh hell yeah! No, I didn't. I wasn't I wasn't aware of that uh, that app. That sounds like something to be very useful. Yeah, even for just like general everyday things, you know, quick way to you know you have five thousand pictures or something or a bunch of notes in your phone. You can you can search. It's like a Google search, you know. So once once you start having a ton of documents in there, you can just search, you know, Coos Deer 2018. It'll just pop right up, you know. All everything you put in there will be in that file. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so you got any uh, anything else planned for the rest of the year, or, or the, rest of the, year, the rest of the season, I should say? The, wow. uh, <laughs> I've got a couple uh, javelina ham tags coming up in February. I, that was another thing I tried to do is last year I had javelina tags in January. I was like, I don't want to be distracted. I'll, I'm the kind of guy that will go chase a javelina in the middle of deer hunt. So. Yep, that's me too. <laughs> i myself twice already this year. <laughs> I'm such a bird in the hand kind of guy. You know, it's yep. like, no, I could go kill that javelina right there. That deer, maybe not, you know, yep. but. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so those are the kind of the next things on the list. And then I'm actually, I'm trying to put together, I might do New Zealand here in uh, February. Just do it yourself. I'm going to go go exploring last little hoorah before I have to go back to work. Oh, yeah. We're going to, my wife and I are, and my buddy uh, Charles Whitwong and my cousin Paul 
and, and their wives were going to uh, Argentina for Red Stag uh, in mid-March. So I'm super excited about that. That should be fun. Yeah, that'll, that's a perfect time of the year, too. That'll be roaring. Yep, yep, that's, that's the plan. It was actually supposed to be my 40th birthday present uh, my wife, from my wife, and uh, I'm going to be 44 when we go. So <laughs> that's, that's, that's how much my, my, you know, my life is, uh, interferes with uh, my hunting plans. But uh, oh, You'll take it. <laughs> so my plan is to go with the bow, but uh, it's only a five-day hunt, so – think come day four if i don't have uh if it doesn't look like i'm gonna get it done with the bow i, I might switch to, he said he's got a rifle there i said all right i'll I'll, uh, I'll switch to the rifle if i have to but yeah for sure yeah i've got a buddy that did that a few years ago and he ended up he ended up getting one of the bow but it, you know so it wasn't easy yeah from what i understand it's um i actually watched the video i think it was sarah bomar and uh the Bomars, anyway, they uh, they went to the same place that we're going to. She got one with the bow, and it looked like cool country. It's a lot more open than what you would expect, like a elk hunt to be, or you know, what a right say hunt would be. So, uh, yeah, yeah it's kind of like a lot of rolling, grassy, tall grass. Yeah, yeah. I've been perfecting my call. Actually, I I was determined to learn how to roar. <laughs> and yeah I, I could do it with an elk tube now and what the other thing i did is i went online to like all these like ne- you know uh you know national geographic and all this stuff and i got red stag roaring off the computer and i digitized it and mixed it down and i put them on my fox pro Oh, that's cool. <laughs> got a bunch of different like breeding situations and whatever on my Fox Pro now that I'm going to uh, see if I if I can't get it, you know, do it with my uh, my own mouth call. I'm gonna try to uh, call them in with Fox Pro. <laughs> well, I'll try and take some at least cell phone video or something. That'd be cool to see. Yeah. No, I I I think I'll bring a camera down with us. Will I mean? Yeah. My wife, my wife will, has a, 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 you know, she's gonna shoot a black, uh, black buck or an access deer maybe. Okay. Or foul, no, foul deer not access. Um, so one of those two. But um, you know, the main focus is for me to get the red stag, so I'll probably stick her with the camera. <laughs> yeah, that would be perfect. Yeah. So. Anyway, well, cool, man. Um, awesome story, you know, and. Uh, I, I, I applaud you for taking your, you know, your hunting hiatus and, and, and doing something while you can. Like, you, you know, you're not getting, yeah. Yeah, that's good. So. Thank you. But it was all worth it so far. You got a lot of cool experiences and uh, definitely something you could tell the kids and the grandkids, you know. Yep. So. Yeah. Where, uh, where can our listeners find out uh find out more about you follow along with your adventures uh just instagram is probably the best uh, it's my name just craig van arsdale it's kind of where i post most frequently well awesome i want to thank you for coming on and uh and sharing the stories with us and uh some good 
some people are paying attention. There's some good uh, tidbits of uh, information there for you to learn, you know, to learn from. Wow. Yeah. Thanks for having me, John. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye.